Even if you don't believe it, I am. And so, God, we give our hearts to you today. Help us to not be stingy with them. Help us to trust you enough to give them to you, our hearts, our lives, our thoughts, our days, our months and years. For you are good and you are true to your word and your promise. In the name of your son we pray. Amen. You may be seated. That's on. You hear that? Isn't that fun? It's all right. Um, all right. I'm Joe Davis. I'm one of the pastors here. It feels like we're finally getting back to normal. Uh, at least in this part of the state, there's parts of our state that are still struggling and hurting. And we're praying for them, doing what we can to help. Uh, but it's good to be back uh, with a regular church service today and, and everybody together. I'm really excited about today's message. It's week 13 and our study of Psalm 119. And luckily for Chuck, this part of Psalm 119 is in the New Testament. So this switches over. Um, but week 13 is called, the, the Hebrew letter is noon, and it's called Walking in the Light. It might be one of the most famous parts of Psalm 119. Uh, I'm just going to go right into reading the passage for you so we can go through and start looking at it, okay? Uh, Psalm 119, verses 105 to 112. That's where these eight verses are. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. I have sworn an oath and confirmed it to keep your righteous rules. I am severely afflicted. Give me life, O Lord, according to your word. Accept my freewill offerings of praise, O Lord, and teach me your rules. I hold my life in my hand continually, but I do not forget your law. The wicked have laid a snare for me, but I do not stray from your precepts. Your testimonies are my heritage forever. For they are the joy of my heart. I incline my heart to perform your statutes forever to the end. <clears throat> uh, and when I'm reading this, just to make sure you understand how Psalm 119 is set up. Each set of eight verses usually starts off with what would be the chorus in the first one or two verses. And then what's following are verses that you would sing those one or two in the front in between each one. And what happens is normally in this whole series of Psalm 19, what you see is the first two verses actually give you the theme and the concept that the rest of the song in this huge album of 22 songs is about. And today it's about light. And in writing this, I'll just be honest with you, I was overwhelmed about the concept of light in the word of God and its connection to Jesus and the amazing beautiful, poetic picture that these two concepts paint for us. So much so I began to wonder if this is a two-week sermon, but instead I'm just going to preach for 50 minutes today, so don't worry, we'll get it all done in this week. Don't worry, I don't have the attention span to preach more than 30, so you're good. But here's what we know, guys. The world is a place of darkness. Often it's so dark we don't know what to do, where to go, or what to turn to. And what the psalmist says in this passage is that he makes no decisions without considering what God's word says about these decisions. 
And he gives two examples in the first couple of verses about how God's word guides him. And that's the historical part of our study. Night and day, verses 105 and 106. I found some really cool stuff in here that I think you're going to really enjoy. So we look at the Hebrew words in the first verses to make sure that we understand. And there are a couple of words. The first one is near, the, the Hebrew word near. It means a candle, a lamp, or a small light. Kind of like what we do with our cell phones when we turn on the light and we're looking in, a, you know, because it's in a dark place. That's the first concept of light. And how do I know this? Because the next Hebrew word that says, thy word is a lamp to my feet, is the word regal. A foot as used in walking by implication step by step. He's saying that the word of God is this dimmer, smaller lamp to my darkened path. When I'm walking in the shadow of darkness where I should fear no evil, his light, his word is a lamp lighting step by step. I don't know what's happening later. I just know that right where I'm putting my foot right now is safe and secure. That's the first image of light that he gives us. It's merely a lamp or a candle. When he is in darkness, living cautiously in a stressful time, one step, one moment at a time. Then there's the third word we're going to look at. It's the Hebrew word or. It means bright, clear day, the morning sun. Thy word is a lamp to my feet and a light. In other words, bright, shining sun to my path, nafib. And here's what the word path means. A well-beaten track, a road of travel, a highway, if you will. So there are two concepts. He says the word of God is good for when it's dark and I'm walking cautiously. And it's a huge sun when I'm just living on the highway. And so the word of God lights my life in two ways at two different moments. It's a, it's a lesser light at night and a brighter light during the day. Does that sound familiar? See, there's a bright light midday sun showing a direction of travel on a road, a bigger picture. And the word of God directs him step by step in the terror of uncertainty and on a broader path, both. The psalmist says no matter what his circumstances, either in dark or broad daylight, he walks in the light. That's the historical. Now, I'm really excited about the theological part of this passage today. Jesus, the light of the world. Did you know that there are two types of light at creation? This is amazing to me. I'm going to read you the passage from Genesis chapter 1, verse 16 to 18. And God made two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night and the stars. And God set them in the expanse of the heaven to give light on the earth, to rule over the day and the night and to separate the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. You see there two different types of lights. There is no question in my mind after doing more study, the psalmist had this in mind when he wrote it. He was talking about not only he melds these two together. He's not just talking about the light of God's word. He's talking about the light of creation as well. Both at the same time. It's genius. He says the word of God is like a moon at night and a sun during the day. What an incredible song about light in this album we call Psalm 119. As a matter of fact, I would say if it were today, this was released by a record company, this would be one of the singles it would release first. Thy word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Man, that is genius. Y'all think Kurt Cobain was good? <laughs> this guy's a lot better. So we see that. There are two types of light at creation. That's the first theological concept I want to get to you. Here's the second concept. Jesus is the creator of that light. 
We see this idea of this light that's heavenly, this moon and the sun that is transferred into the hearts and minds of those he has called out of what? Darkness. John chapter, uh, John chapter 1, verse 3 through 5. All things were made through him. And without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life. And life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness. And the darkness has not overcome it. Is that not cool? Do you see what the psalmist has done here? So Jesus creates this light, both of these lights. It says in other places in Colossians and in, and in John chapter 1, verse 1, that Jesus is actually God. Jesus is the creator of this light. And so what the psalmist is singing about is the Savior, as well as creation. So here's the third theological concept. Jesus is the source of light. Now watch as God's word brackets the creation of the sun and the moon with the source of true light at the end of times. Revelation chapter 21, 23 to 25. This is talking about the city of God. Redemption in heaven. And the city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it. For the glory of God gives it light. And its lamp, isn't that awesome? The word light, the sun, and its lamp, the celestial light, is the lamb. By its light will all the nations walk, step by step. And the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it, the idea of a broader path. And its gates will never be shut by day, and there will be no night there, no darkness. Isn't that just an amazing picture for us? So you see how deep, see, we've, we've heard this phrase. Many of you probably heard that verse before. <clears throat> Thy word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. That's very familiar, and I'd heard it many times. But it wasn't until this week that I understood he was talking not just about God's word, and Jesus is the word. We talked about that in week three. But it's also creation. And I just love how the word of God brackets us at the beginning. There are two lights, the moon and the sun. And at the end... The moon and the sun aren't needed anymore. There is one light, Jesus, the light of the world. That's a theology of the passage. Now I want to get to the part that I'm really excited about, the devotional. I want to talk about the benefits in our life of good lighting. We're going to start off with John chapter 8, verse 12. And Jesus... Again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. In case you all thought I was lying about Jesus being the light of the world, he said it right there. <laughs> Prove it, Pastor Joe. Well, there you go. And Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Now, let me explain to you something about spiritual light and about the light of God's word. The first step into the light really hurts your eyes. As a matter of fact, when God begins to shine the light of salvation, the light of his word into your life for the very first time, it's kind of annoying. What are you talking about? I'm in darkness. This place is cool. The light says, no, it's not. Look where you're headed. You see the dangers. You see the death and destruction at the end. This is what the light is showing you. And at first the light is, I can't believe you're ruining this for me. And it hurts your eyes, just like when you're in a movie theater and you walk out for the first time and you went to a matinee, because some of us, you know, we're old and we can't go to the night ones. We fall asleep halfway through. <clears throat> so we go at like noon, you know. 
When Star Wars first came out, the first time I went to see it, like a few years ago, I went at, there was a 10 o'clock in the morning show. I said, that's perfect for me. There's no chance that I'll fall asleep before lunch. I was asleep by 12.30, but I made it through the movie. But when you first come out of the movie, it takes a minute. That's what God's word is like when it first gets shined in our life, is it not? But the second step in the light is when you start to see clearly. And the initial exposure of the light of God's word is very uncomfortable for us. But then as our spiritual eyes, the ones that we've been enlightened with by the word of God, by Jesus, by the Holy Spirit, as our spiritual eyes begin to adjust to the brightness, there are several benefits and ways that this light transforms our life. The first way is it gives us hope during affliction. Verse 107, he says, I am severely afflicted. This is, remember, the whole theme is light. I am severely afflicted. Give me life. How many times is the word life and light used in our verses today? As synonymous, they're synonyms, light, life, light, life. He says, I am severely afflicted. Give me life. Give me light. According to your word. See, many people become lost in dark times. They have no idea where to go. They have no idea what to do or what steps to take next. It's life in spiritual darkness. It is defeating. It's draining. It's confusing. It's painful. And worse, it's hopeless. Without the light of life, the light of Jesus, the light of the word, all the same. Light, word, Jesus, life, all the same. But when the light of God's word is your guide during dark times, what happens? It gives you hope. It's like that. You've heard that phrase light at the end of the tunnel. This is the concept that I'm trying to get across to you. It gives hope for revival, for restoration, for redemption. It is pitch dark, but there is this one light that is shining right there. Maybe I can get through this. I can see just barely enough to take the next step. Maybe I can make it. So the first benefit of good lighting is hope during affliction. Here's the second benefit, living in gratitude. Accept my freewill offerings of praise, O Lord, and teach me your rules. See, what happens is the light allows you to recognize where your blessings come from. You recognize it's not coming from the dark pleasures of the world that were destroying you. What's happened is your vision is now clear and you know who and why. And as a result, because of this light that has made it clear where your blessings come from, as a result, you become motivated to direct thankfulness and praise to him who deserves it. See, that's what a free will offering is. A free will offering isn't something that you do because I'm trying to get in good with the Father religiously. I'm doing this offering because I'm sinful and I'm trying to make up for wrongdoings. I'm doing this because I feel guilty. No, no, no. That's not what a free will offering is. A free will offering is this. I am so blessed. The least I can do is show my thankfulness to the one who has blessed me. So one of the benefits is that you live in gratitude. It's not an offering of repentance or to elicit God's favor in some way. 
It's a result of light that has given you love for the father of lights in James, with whom there is no shadow or variance of turning. Hebrews 13, 15. Through him, then, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. And yet there's another benefit to good lighting. It's wisdom during the night. Verse 109 and 110 is what the psalmist says. I hold my life in my hand continually, but I do not forget your law. Law, word, light, all the same. The wicked have laid a trap for me or a snare, but I do not stray from your precepts. The idea of stray means a step that is off the lit path. The enemy has laid snares and traps for me. It could be immoral relationships. It could be addictions. It could be love of money. It could be pride. It could be arrogance. It could be any number of things. And he has laid traps for me all around. But because of the light of God's word, I can walk step by step and I do not stray into a path of darkness. And the enemy has, church, this uncanny ability to deceive, to sneak up on you and destroy you. As a matter of fact, he thrives in darkness like a fish thrives in water. He breathes it through his evil gills. It is where he thrives the most. And he loves it when you come into his domain, which is darkness. And he is ready to lay some traps for you. But the word of God gives you wisdom during the night. The light of God's word points out the traps. Don't step there. There's arrogance. Don't step there. There's love of money. Don't step there. There's addiction. Don't step there. There's immorality. And the light of God's word in the dark path allows you to have wisdom during the night to see the traps that are set for you. Step by step. Isaiah 42, 16. And I will lead the blind. I love this verse. I will lead the blind in a way that they do not know. In paths that they have not known. I will guide them. I will turn the darkness before them into light, the rough places into level ground. These are the things I do, and I do not forsake them. This is the role of the higher power in our life, giving us guidance step by step and wisdom during the night. John 11, 9 and 10. I'm just going to read it to you. I didn't put it up there. Jesus answered, Are there not 12 hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble. Because he sees the light of this world. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. But yet there's another benefit to good lighting. It's called stability. Verses 11, 111 and 112. Your testimonies are my heritage forever, for they are the joy of my heart. I incline my heart to perform your statutes forever to the end. In other words, until I'm done with my path, my journey. Stability in John, First uh, John chapter one, six and seven. Look at what this says here. If we say we have fellowship with Him while we walk in darkness, we are lying. We lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus His Son cleanses us from all sin. When you live light in the light, when you live life in the light of God's Word. There is a measure. doesn't mean that bad things don't happen. They do. But you have a measure of stability. You're no longer to and fro unstable. 
<clears throat> you now have the ability, no matter what takes place, no matter what happens in your life, you can face it with stability and wisdom and discernment, and you are not a drama king or queen. You follow what I'm saying there? Y'all ever been around some? I mean, there's none of you in here like that, of course, because you're all... You ever been around a drama king or a drama queen? Life is unstable. They're not living in the light. So, walking in the light, Jesus, is a direct result of the gift of faith. Just in case you started thinking, well, good, I'm going to choose the light. I got news for you. You can't choose it. It chooses you. What is our conclusion? Jesus is the living word of God. He's also the source of light that the psalmist is singing about. And it's the gift of faith, the calling of God that brings the light on our path and into our highway of living. I have a verse for you I'm going to read. It's John 12, 35 to 40. It's too long for me to put up there, so I'm just going to read it and try to read it in a way that doesn't cause your mind to wander. Because mine might wander during it because, you know, I have the problem. But I'm going to try. So Jesus said to them, look what Jesus says. The light is among you for a little while longer. Walk while you have the light, lest darkness overtake you. The one who walks in the darkness does not know where he is going. While you have the light, believe in the light, that you may become sons of the light. And when Jesus said these things, he departed and hid himself from them. Though he had done so many signs before them, they still did not believe. So that the word spoken by the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Therefore, they could not believe. For Isaiah said again, He has blinded their eyes and hardened their hearts, lest they see with their eyes and understand with their heart and turn, and I would heal them. And just so you understand, there's a little comfort here. That sounds kind of scary, right? But here's the comfort part, 1 Peter 2.9. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. He called you, you were walking in darkness. You were living a life on the path of darkness set with traps and snares everywhere. You really had no interest in light, to be honest with you. And then suddenly, the light of God's word, through the power of the Holy Spirit, Jesus Christ comes down and says, hey, look where you're going. And the first is, dude, that thing is bright. Get it out of my eyes. But then you turn around and look. Whoa, that's where I was going. And so you begin to be able to adjust your steps. And you begin to turn. And he said, don't go step there. Keep coming this way. And you turn down this dark path that's got this one light. And he leads you onto the path of life, which is a wide highway. And you begin to enjoy life more abundantly. So I have something that I'm going to read to you. Um, this was written by um, Chad and Stephanie. Stephanie's my niece. They just had another baby boy, Lucas, uh, during the eye of the storm. Not kidding. Uh, last Sunday. Crazy, crazy story. Um, Chad was the first young person that I had the privilege of leading to Jesus in my ministry here in Sarasota. Um, 
Chad was dating my daughter, Sarah, and now he's married to my niece, Stephanie, so clearly he's in love with me. He's really... <laughs> but he's not here today because we're taking care of the baby, so... Kevin, you can edit that out of the video before we post it. He's going to put it at the front. That's what he's going to do. Um, God saved Chad when he was uh, in the spring of his freshman year in high school. And in the fall of his sophomore year, he wrote something called The Paths of Light. As a sophomore, he wrote this. And as I was thinking through how to end the sermon today, I thought there is no better way than to read what a brand new teenage believer in Sarasota thought the light of life meant. You ready? He was a sophomore member, so I've kind of, I'm going to read it as written. So remember, he was like 15, 16. Picture a long, straight path. It's well lit, smooth ground. It's a comfortable place and safe place to travel. But on the sides of this path are stones, rocks, and other dark paths that lead nowhere. You see, I was born on the dark paths, on the dead end paths. In fact, we were all born there. All my life, I had this desire to stay on the dark paths. I had heard about this well-lit path, but I never cared anything about it. I liked the darkness and the things in the darkness. They felt good. They were fun. Even though they always caused me pain sooner or later. But one day, Jesus began calling me to his path. And he showed me what it was like to walk on it. His path felt safe and peaceful. I thought to myself, maybe I should stay here. And while I was walking this path, I heard a familiar voice calling me from the darkness. I was very willing to return to that darkness. It felt nice and smooth against my skin. And it was just cool enough to feel refreshing. I always enjoyed the initial feeling the darkness gave me. I loved the dark coolness and the smoothness. It made me forget about the light of Jesus' path for a while. But one day, the pleasure of the darkness turned to severe pain. It scared me, and I ran back toward the light of Jesus' path. He calmed me, soothed my pain, and began to teach me, warning me about the darkness, how it led nowhere but death and always let you down causing much pain along the way. He taught me how the light would never let me down and would lead me to joy and redemption. But for some reason, those dark paths kept calling me. And by my very nature, I would wander back into darkness, back to the place I was born, getting hurt repeatedly. I was caught in a pattern. I would get hurt I'd run to the light, get temporary relief from the pain. Then I would leave when the voices from the dead end past would call me back. <clears throat> One day, while I was enjoying the darkness and the cool, smooth pleasure on my skin again, it seemed more enjoyable than ever before. I was so confused. How could something that felt so good be so bad, so dangerous, as Jesus had tried to tell me? My whole life was centered around enjoying this feeling in the dark. How could it be wrong? I was ready to wrap my arms around the darkness and embrace it and fully commit to it. Then suddenly I heard a loud voice warning me 
I was startled at first. And frankly, I was a bit annoyed. There was Jesus facing me and shining a huge light into the darkness. At first, I was blinded when I looked into his light. And Jesus instructed me, don't look here, turn and look at what, was, look at what you were ready to embrace. What had been so tempting all your life. Honestly, I was afraid to look, but when I did, I could not believe what I saw. I saw a terrible serpent with massive fangs and wicked sinister eyes that were full of wrath and hatred for me. I couldn't believe I'd been so blind, how the darkness had hidden the true danger for me. What I thought was bringing me pleasure and comfort had been luring me into a trap that would have cost me my very soul. Talk about feeling betrayed, but I still couldn't just leave it. It was who I was, where I was born. It was my very identity, this darkness. So what did Jesus do? He began calling with a strong, irresistible voice, sophomore in high school. Then just in the nick of time, I felt his hand grab hold of mine. He yanked me out of the darkness. It was at that point I realized I had become a child of God, a child of the light with full vision of what the world was around me. This was my new identity, my new path, my new way of life. To this day, we walk together, his light showing me each road, each step to take. Sometimes I think about wandering, thinking that I can handle myself now in the darkness because I can see the snakes. But when I do, he's holding on to my hand never letting me get too far down the paths of darkness. And when I stumble, he catches me, sets me back on my feet in the light of life.